Why is that? <laughs> well, because here's the thing. It's, that came out strong. It did. Like, <laughs> I've I've thought about this. I've prayed on this. I've meditated wow. on it. And I am tired of Charlie Puth because I want wow. Charlie Puth to make good music so badly. But he is because he's so incredibly talented. But he I agree. just he just makes really good jingles. Like he makes really good TikTok <laughs> sounds and then gets hundreds of thousands of Spotify streams. Like he's like if if it was me that was doing that and had no talent, look, praise God. Like you have hit the apex of what yes. you can do. But I'm like, this dude is so much more talented than 99.99% of the people on the planet. And he puts out light switch. And I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired of it, dude. <laughs> it's three minutes of the chorus. <laughs> like Light switch to Charlie Puth is what Hotline Bling was to Drake. It's like I expect so much more. That's good. See, I've thought about That'll this. That'll preach. A lot. I've thought about this a lot. I'm like, I'm trying to call you up. Yes. I'm trying to yes. call you up to a higher version of who We're you are. We're not calling you out. We're calling you up. up. Calling you up. That'll preach. I like, like that. You know, the, the, the lesser artists, like, we're, we're not mentioning them because it's like, I, there's nothing to call them up to. Who cares? Yeah. Who, who they cares? Suck. Who cares? You know? You but know, like- you're right. Charlie Puth makes songs for TikTok. Now, Christians listen to this podcast, so we're probably about to get canceled. <laughs> but Little Nas X, okay? Canceled. Done. Done. <laughs> Done. How dare you? Done. <laughs> he does the opposite. Yeah. Okay. He he's a marketing genius. The only genius. reason he's big is because of TikTok. But he uses TikTok to promote his music. Yep. And Charlie Puth uses his music just to promote his TikTok. Yeah. I I, th- I think the way that we had talked about it, even before coming to the podcast is that Lil Nas uses TikTok to promote his music. Charlie Puth makes music for TikTok. Yeah. So it's you like- called it jingles. You you called Charlie Puth a jingle maker. He would make so much money at Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> like Christmas movies like yeah. Charlie Puth yeah, yeah. Char- Charlie Puth and Michael Bublé are like one and the same when it comes to the musical genre I think TikTok music in 50 years 100 years yeah is going to be the elevator music of the future okay hold up let's let's go here has TikTok destroyed music like this do- do- hold up hold up yes. hold up Doja Cat yes Charlie Puth Yes. Dua Lipa. Yes. Like, has it has it ruined not only our ability to consume music, but has it, I mean, like, artists, there are true artists that will make art for art's sake, um, and then there are artists that will make art to fit the medium of the day. And so if the medium yes. of the day is 20-second jingles, you're going to have artists that make music that fit 20-second jingles. So maybe- It's the pastors. It's the pastors that focus on the one-liners- more than the content of the sermon. Okay? They're just focused on that 20 seconds of fame that's going to stick. But they don't really care about the, the rest of the content. Those one-liners are nice, though. They, <laughs> If you can do them both. If you, you can do you them both. If you can't tweet a sermon, you can't preach a sermon. Is that right? But I, I do think there are some artists on... Because, like, do you listen to the radio ever? I don't know who no, still does. I'm not but 30. I was driving to the airport, and... It was like an Uber that had come and picked me up, and he just had on like a local radio station. Yeah. And eight songs played. Every single one of them was a TikTok song. All of them. Every single one of them. But that's like, all. I, I hate when I hear a TikTok song outside of TikTok. 
Yes. I hate it. It, it makes now, me cringe. It makes me feel like I'm sitting in great clips. Like I do you. Th- <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. Getting that sports clip MVP with the yeah. hot towel. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I hate it, bro. What about so you hate when you hear TikTok audios outside of TikTok? What about Vine audios? Love like them. if I walked up to you and said Love road them. work ahead, I, I sure, sure hope, hope it does. does. See, we just became best friends. Like best friends. Vine. This is like us making bunk beds yes. to make more space for activities. There's so much room for activities. So much. Um, don't I even agree. Touch my drum set. Yeah. No. It's <laughs> like Vine. But here's the thing. Like I don't think. Younger generations don't understand Vine. I used um, a Vine reference as a sermon illustration with uh, middle schoolers one time. Like, do you remember? I was illustrating the providence of God. It's actually a fire illustration. Okay. All right. Um, but do you remember that Vine from back in the day where uh, it's all the umbrellas and they're rolling down the beach and it goes like, and it's like all these umbrellas are running and moving. And so we were preaching to the book of Esther and I was trying to teach some middle schoolers about the providence of God. And I was like, look, the providence of God is kind of like the wind in these umbrellas. Like you can't see it, but you can see its effects. And like I put the vine up on the screen and someone, someone shouted, what TikTok is this? Bruh. And I'm just like, I was just d- dumbfounded. <laughs> that hurts. That hurts. Dumbfounded. But these kids were born in 2013. So it's like, yeah, Vine was dead by the time they were two. Which is kind of insane to think about it that is. we're so far removed from Vine. But like Vine is the cornerstone of our generation. Much well, yeah. more than TikTok. Well, here's the thing. I never watched Vine on Vine. I watched it. I watched the Vine YouTube compilations. <laughs> That it's, like, it's like the 65 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Vine compilation number eight, 55 minutes. And I would just sit in bed with all the lights off and just watch the same videos over and over and over. It's like the, the people that watch Vine compilations are the same people that watch The Office over and over and over and over yes. and over for 12 years. And they're like, geniuses. You can't, you can't enjoy anything new. Like you are trained to watch the same thing over and over and over it's, again. It's, yeah, the titles of those videos are like... Vines that would make my grandma bake bread. <laughs> it's just like like the random <laughs> vines that make my grape burst. It's like <laughs> it's like so random, but it's that's that's the key. And it's peak. I think about this a lot. We've gone way off track. That's totally okay. I don't care. I think about this a lot. This could be a whole podcast episode, right? <laughs> think of the evolution of comedy. Yeah, like throughout Bro. time, scrolling on iFunny. When you're yes. like eight, right? Yes. Like looking at the memes, yes. then it turns into vines, then it turns into TikToks, and it's like well, the well, evolution of that. It's all within is a nuts. decade. It's all within yeah. a decade. So you have people that are 25 and people that are 15 that have experienced completely different mediums and have and no forms, idea, no idea what they the other is. No, they have no ability to like to relate to another generation's form of media. So we look at 80 year olds and it's like, well, they have no relate, no ability to relate to the internet, but the tw- the internet that a 25 year old experiences is a very different internet that a 10 year old and a 15 year old yes. grew up with. So to them, we are the 80 year olds who cannot relate. Like we have to get on TikTok. <laughs> That's why you see like all these, all these old vine people are trying to get on TikTok right now, but it's like, you are the old person. You don't relate it's, anymore. It's not really working. No, it's like not. you don't see any big Vine people with large TikTok audiences. I actually I will push back against that, Jake Paul, but that's because but he's, he's not, different. He's different. He's Disney Channel. 
He's, um, and he's created a phenomenal brand for himself. Well, second one, Bo Burnham. That's the yes. only. That's the only one. When he wants to, that You're boy right. dominates TikTok and he dominates Vine. He kind of transcends. It's but, it's because of the hue of his comedy. Well, okay, honestly, his his whole thing is phenomenal. Like his his understanding of culture and his way to interpret it and apply it is phenomenal. <laughs> and we're a third of a way into an episode now. So I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. wrap up with this, but it's like even bringing it back to Charlie Puth, Charlie Puth makes music for TikTok. Bo Burnham makes comedic cultural observations and he uses vine and YouTube and comedic specials and TikTok and Netflix and, and music. all these, all these different mediums to express his yep. art. Where Charlie's focused it's beautiful. on the medium. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And Charlie needs to grow up. He needs to learn. So he'll never learn. I've been, I've been sitting on that for a while. I had to get that one Well, out. good. I'm glad we were able to talk about it because... Ten minutes later. <laughs> we, I feel like we could nuance all of that into some spiritual l- podcast. So uh, we're not doing that. <laughs> so welcome. What is up, guys? My name is Victor, and I'm a student pastor in North Carolina. Do I say anything else? That's it. That's it. My That's name it. is Reagan Jones, and I wish Charlie Puth made better music. Um, <laughs> and I'm also a student pastor at a local church in Raleigh, North Carolina. And welcome to Sanctified-ish conversations with pastors who have not figured out. Um, and here's here's the segue. I'll wait. I'll transition into this. Um, I think this. I think we just condemned Charlie Puth. Um, <laughs> I re- I really do. And the Bible says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, so yeah. I'm standing on my convictions, but I feel like we just condemned him. And today we're going to talk about the difference between those two <laughs> very things. Look at that pretty transition. Good. I, pretty, pretty good. Look, I'm proud that's of that. Pre- that's good. You you should be proud of that. And I think <laughs> this this episode is actually pretty cool because I think we will have the opportunity to speak out of, I think, life experience and just yeah. like where we've come throughout our Christian walk and the different battles that we've had through dealing with condemnation and conviction. And a lot of times trying to figure out which is which, because sometimes the water can be a little bit muddy. And so I think the perfect way to start this out would be, let's just differentiate the two. Mm -hmm. So if you had to define condemnation and you had to define conviction, what are they? How are they different? Yeah. Yeah, give us like a brief overview. Well, the hard part is like you just said, like it's very gray because they both start by saying, hey, something is wrong. Um, and so they both start from the same place, but they end up with very different action steps. So I would say conviction yeah. is the idea of like, hey, it is something that like oh, you're walking in sin. Something is being brought up. The Holy Spirit is convicting you. But the action step is to bring it in the light and confess it in community and walk in freedom condemnation is hey there's a sin you're doing something wrong and the action step is to run into darkness run into shame run into guilt run and hide they're two very different action steps even though they both start from the position of like hey man something is wrong here um yeah and i think that's what makes it so hard to differentiate the two is because they sound very similar and we focus on the starting point but we don't have we don't uh, divert our attention to where it's actually calling us to go I think conviction is so interesting because I think a lot of times we put conviction in a box and conviction can only mean this one thing. I think you're right. Like conviction out of sin 
does start with the something's not right. Yeah. But I also think conviction has has this like kind of broader meaning that we neglect to give it in that like I could feel convicted by the spirit to buy someone their lunch in line behind me or I could That's feel true. convicted by That's the true. spirit to go have a conversation with someone, you know, in the room that I'm in. And so like yes, I think conviction and condemnation get blurred when we view them through the lens of like sin. And I think that's what we're going to be dealing with mostly today. But I do think conviction is like this unique kind of heart sensitivity to something that the Holy spirit wants to tell you. And when we sin, what the Holy spirit is trying to tell you is, Oh, you probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And I think what even just mentioned right there, I think this is kind of an overall issue as to why, I think we don't under, we don't sense this when the spirit is convicting because I think especially in the Western church, especially in the Baptist church, is that we just have a lack of understanding of the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. And so it's yeah. like the weird, crazy uncle at the barbecue that we just don't like to, we don't like to acknowledge yeah, that it's that there. That those non-denominational churches, they talk about it, but God forbid we talk about it. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I think it's like, it even just starts with like, okay, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in the first place? Um, like what is the role of community? Cause like the spirit can work in your community to go and address you in sin. Like that's what like Nathan and David, like that's a really good example yeah. of, of that action. Um, and, and you also even see like the, the Holy spirit convict with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch where like yeah. the spirit like convicts to go and share the gospel and that, that Ethiopian eunuch ends up getting saved and baptized. And so I think it even just starts with a lack of an understanding of what is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives when it comes to bringing sin into the light, which is just making us more holy um, or even sharing the gospel. Yeah, when I think of like the Holy Spirit and the role that the Spirit plays in a Christian's life, it's really unique. And I think Acts gives us a pretty good picture of like the Spirit's role in a Christian life. And the way Jesus explains it is that you'll receive a helper. You'll receive this this thing that is far greater than my human um, than my human form because the spirit will dwell within you. Yeah, and man. so as Christians, like we have the incarnate Holy Spirit, like dwelling within us, guiding us and helping us and convicting us both positively and calling out our sin when it needs to call out our sin. Yeah. And I think I think you hit the nail on the head and what I think that results in is we, we don't know the Holy Spirit's role, which means that we're not sensitive to yeah. the Holy Spirit's callings and convictions when we need to be. Yeah. And I think because of that, when Satan comes in with condemnation, we can misinterpret that very easily. Well, I think the voice of condemnation is louder than the Spirit's voice of conviction sometimes. Because as followers of Jesus, like we cannot lose the Holy Spirit, but we can drown him out. Um, and so the best way like I've been able to illustrate this with our students is it's like having a, a song on loop on Spotify where it's like it never pauses. You never take the song away, but like drowning out the Holy Spirit and quenching the Holy Spirit is like turning that volume button and making it go all the way down. So it's like the song continues to play, hmm. but you can no longer hear it. Um, I like that. And so one of the things we try to encourage our students to do is like, hey, like, what are things that do not quench the spirit? So like hiding sin, walking in sin, like 
not spending time in prayer, not spending time in worship, not spending time with the Father. Like these are things that quench the spirit within us. So when we do those things, we don't do those things to be legalistic. We do those things because that allows us to hear the voice of the spirit in us so that when like conviction comes, like now we can hear that voice. We hear the spirit prompting us. Like we, 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 yeah. we feel the conviction within us. Um, and we stop oh, quenching them. Like when we're talking about the theology of the Holy Spirit, this would be a phenomenal episode because I mean we're already there. just Might in and of well. itself. But it's like look at the Holy Spirit roles between the Old and the New Testament. Yeah, and it's so fascinating because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is regarded so incredibly highly among God's people. Like the Ark of the Covenant is where God's Spirit would reside, and mm-hmm. if anyone approached the Ark that shouldn't be approaching the ark. Yeah. They would just drop dead. Yeah. And it's like when we talk about the presence of God, like his full and complete presence dwelling with his people, yeah. this is something that the Old Testament holds in such high esteem. Yeah. And we move to the New Testament and we find out in Acts that we're going to receive the spirit freely and every person that surrenders themselves to Jesus will now have access to this thing that all throughout human history to this point was something that God gave in bits and pieces to yeah, prophets man. and kings. It was this very highly regarded thing. And it's like now we have free access to that. And we just live as if, like, who cares? Yeah. Like, forget about that. It's not really that important. Is it yeah. really the third part of the Trinity? Like, we just kind of disregard it. Mm-hmm. And I would say in the Old Testament, like when we look at God's presence, the Holy Spirit is a massive part of God's presence in the Old Testament, if yeah. not the predominant theme of God's presence in the Old Testament. Yeah. Well, I think you can really dive off the theological deep end here for a second because you can see the Trinity at work in this idea of conviction and condemnation because Jesus is both our access and our advocate. Um, not just our access into the presence of God, but he's our advocate when condemnation comes. So like if the Holy Spirit's role is to convict good, bad, everything in between, like Jesus's role is to give us an access. So like when he died, the veil was torn in two. So now that presence that we were not able to be in, in the old Testament, we now have access to, we can be in his presence because Jesus has covered us in his righteousness. And now even when we are in his presence, when we sin, the devil says, see, look, 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 like they're not worthy. And he's actually our advocate. He stands in and he says, nope, like that's my son. That's my daughter. So you can see even in this conversation of conviction and condemnation, like you can see the role of the Trinity that it just, it gives you access to the father, but also your advocate. Um, yeah. And it's such, it's such a beautiful thing to picture. It's, it's really unique. And I think this is kind of where the difference between condemnation and conviction kind of, I found this quote and I think it, I think it hits home really well here. It says our faith in Jesus and what he did for us removed the mark that, that declared condemned over humanity and it, and it turned it into the eternal sign stating justified. And yeah. so for like Romans 8, 1 talks about how like for those in Christ, there is now no condemnation yeah. and we fully deserve complete and utter condemnation. 
Yeah. Like because of our complete sinfulness and wrong standing before the Father, the only thing we deserve is condemnation. Yeah. Yet God's great love for us. And so maybe I think we should talk about some schemes that Satan uses. Yeah. To confuse condemnation because because I think Satan has the strategy where he tries to kind of mask his condemnation as conviction. Yeah. Because he wants he wants to kind of like, did God really say? He oh, kind of yeah. wants to confuse. He wants to take this good thing that is conviction and twist it into something that it's not. How does Satan do that in a believer's life? I don't know if you have a couple examples. For me, it's just isolation. Um, yeah. Like, I think this even flows like out of the out of the conversation we had last week. Um, but it's like coming home from camps, isolated, tired, weary. Like the thoughts that are in my head may start of like, hey, here's a sin, here's conviction, but it immediately leads to, hey, run and hide, shame, guilt, if they ever knew, like those kind of conversations. Yeah. Um, and that right there, like in isolation, that's a very easy thing to believe, but it's when like that's brought into the light, into community, when people are able to speak into that, like now they're able to say like, well, no, did God really say? Yeah. Um, and it, it, you can flip the word to the devil on it. Said like, did God really say that about you? Did has He really spoken that over you? Like, I know Satan's trying to tell you this, but like God has said this of you that He has said there is therefore no condemnation. He has told the woman who was caught in adultery, like, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Um, yeah. Like, those are the things that I think I've even experienced in my life. That um, isolation is one of the biggest tools, and community is one of the biggest tools of freedom. I think when it comes to this. One of the like reoccurring themes we talk about often is community. And yeah. I I love how we kind of brought up earlier that the Holy Spirit also like he functions really well in community, right? Yeah. Like when we're isolated, we kind of cut ourselves off from a, almost like a life source that God has given us in the church. And we make ourselves far more susceptible to the lies of Satan. Mm -hmm. But when we're surrounded by God, Christ-centered community, people that speak truth and love into our lives, then Satan all of a sudden is much quieter because we have those people around us. One of the things that I notice is like isolation is huge. If Satan can get you isolated and kind of cut you off from that lifeline, his voice gets really loud. Yeah. One thing in my life is, especially when I was in middle and high school, I really struggled with, I think the, I would say like the affirmation of my salvation. J, or, or, yeah. like, I, I'm convinced I've asked Jesus to come into my heart the most times out of any human being ever. <laughs> it's like, I have like, oh no, I sinned. Dear Heavenly Father, just in case I'm not saved, saved. Yeah. would you just like, would you just make sure, <laughs> you know, like. Annoy him. And. I used to even think about it as like on my deathbed, like what am I going to be thinking about? And when I was in middle and high school, I'm like, well, I'm going to be asking Jesus into my heart again, yeah. just to make sure as like an insurance policy. Yeah. And I think that doubt was like Satan really used that doubt to cause myself to sit in this just state of utter confusion. Yeah. And what I had to realize as I was listening to a a pastor preach back at home when I was in high school, and he said something along the lines of like, if you experience conviction in your life, if if God convicts you of something, if, if you leave 
your sin, feeling like you've done something wrong and that you want to make it right and that you want to pursue after God, if, if that's something that you experience, then you can be affirmed that the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you. Mm-hmm. And it was that moment where I was like, well, I am genuinely convicted yeah. when I do th- wrong things. I guess that means that the Holy Spirit is dwelling within me. Yeah. And it was it was those moments where God actually showed me that the existence of his conviction in my life was proof that the Holy Spirit had marked me with his seal. Yeah. And so all of a sudden it was almost like it was overnight. I no longer lived in fear of this condemnation, but I walk I walked far more freely knowing that Christ's seal of approval was on my life. Yeah. And so now conviction is more of a tool to pursue Jesus than it is this thing that scares me into thinking I'm not a Christian. Yeah. Man, that's beautiful. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I think maybe I'm just more of a sinner. Um, but I you think are. like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> like I'm very like shame and guilt natured just by myself. And so yeah. like, I, I think where, where you kind of experience this, like, okay, Hey, no, because I have the conviction in me, that's evidence of the Holy spirit. And here I'm going to walk in this truth. Um, it's a little bit of a before and after moment for me. I feel like my default is condemnation and that's mm. the, um, the immediate place that I go to, even though like, I yeah. know like, I'm, I'm actually preaching on this in a week or so. Like you can believe the truth of God receives the truth of God, but then like walking in it is a completely different thing. It does you no good to yeah. believe it and receive it if you don't walk in it. Um, and I think that's where it's like, maybe if you're like me, if condemnation is like the place that you, be, you seem to start, like, I love Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. I have the Holy spirit in me, but that's just my beginning mental mindset. Um, that you have to remind yourself of the truths of scripture even more so. Um, yeah. that like, the, if, if you know that that's not going to be your dominant mental pattern, like you have to know that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that now I don't condemn you. So go and sin no more. You have to know about the restoration and the hope of David in Psalm 51. Like yeah. the, these are things that need to be buried deep down within your heart so that you can get to a place of like, no, that is not my, that is not who I am. That is mm-hmm. not what's been spoken over me. And you can walk through with the benefits of conviction um, leading into holiness. I think like really practically, if, you know, people listening, you know, they really identify with what you're saying and they're like, yeah, man, my default is condemnation. Like that's just, that's just how I'm wired. That's just where I go. Reagan, what are like a couple of really practical things? I think we hit on community really well there. Um, but what are some other just practical things that you see yourself do that when that condemnation default hits, you see yourself being able to fight through that and kind of, I don't know, refocus your eyes on the spirit. Yeah. Um, I would say prayer, but it's not prayer in the sense of me talking to God, it's prayer in the sense of I'm going to let the spirit speak to me. Um, because again, we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. And I think a lot of the time, especially in the Western church, we think that prayer is 99.9% of us talking to God. Um, when in the reality, like prayer is probably the flip of that. Like the most important words are not the words that you pray to God. They're the words that he prays to you or not prays to you, but like, it's the words that like he, yeah, that's, that's heretical. 
Um, it's, <laughs> I'm gonna clip that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not the words that you pray to God, uh, but it's the words that He speaks to you, and like it's yeah. allowing the Spirit to like use Scripture to minister to your heart. Um, and so, man, like honestly, like I'll just put my AirPods in and I'll go on, I'll go for a walk, and I'll allow the Scripture that's in my heart or the Scripture that I read that morning. I'll allow the Spirit to use it and bring things to my mind and bring things to my heart that will tell me truths about myself that I may not speak to God in the moment, but the spirit like allows that to almost perform surgery on my heart. Um, yeah, that's been helpful for me. I know this takes a lot of practice and I think there might be some people that are just completely gifted in this way. I'm not one of those people, but on that note, I think it's really helpful to build a discipline in of just sitting and listening. Yeah. And that means doing your best to clear your mind, to clear the distractions around you, to clear your heart, to clear whatever you need to, to be present in the moment and be sensitive to what the spirit has to say. My pastor used to say that the spirit whispers truths to us. And so we have to, we have to attune our ears to hear what the spirit has to has to say to us. And when I was in high school, I just started this practice of trying to sit in complete nothingness for five minutes. It's so hard. And I would do this. It's five minutes sounds like nothing yeah. until you sit in silence for five minutes. Yeah, it's it feels terrifying. like an eternity. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you will I, I think that if you begin to build the discipline of sitting and listening and tuning your heart to hear the frequency that the spirit speaks in. Yeah. You will be astonished by how the spirit begins to pull at your heart. It might not be verbal words. Yeah. Right. Like it might not be this booming voice with a bright light, but you'll feel the subtle tugs. Yeah. Hey, you need to repent of that sin. Hey, I think I'm calling you to go plant a church. Yep. Hey, have you considered serving in this area? And you'll yep. just start to feel these subtle tugs on your heart. And that's the spirit moving you towards a place where you'll look more like Jesus. Yeah. It sounds mystical, and that's because it is. Yeah. Um, and and I think like that's where a lot of us don't experience that nature of prayer. Um, because we think that prayer is verbal processing that we just brain dump and we just bring our needs. And once I've brain dumped to God, that's the end of my prayer. And that's the thing that's been really convicting for me because I am a verbal processor. That's why we have a podcast and (laughs) me too, like knowing, knowing that God does want to hear from me, but he wants me to hear from him even more. Yeah. Um, and so I think this is one of the things we've talked to our students about, but it's just been really helpful for me because I'm terrible at prayer is that prayer is not a decision, it's a rhythm. And so Mm. it's not something you just decide in the moment to like, all right, now I'm going to go and pray. And then you try to sit for five minutes and it's like, oh, I can't just be still and know that he is God. Like it's a genuine rhythm that you have to build into your life. Like we even talked about this at camp a couple of weeks ago, but like, even if you look at all throughout Jesus's ministry, there's like the rhythm of prayer. Um, so that like when something great happens, when something bad happens, like he goes away and prays on the mountain for the, for an entire night. Like there's just multiple points throughout the New Testament where we see Jesus going away and being with the Father. Um, and so we have to kind of have to ask ourselves, like I have to ask myself, like does my prayer life look like that? Yeah. Am I creating spaces for the Spirit to speak Scripture to me, um, to speak life and to speak conviction to me? 
the rhythms that Jesus has in scriptures and even like the rhythms that these like core people in the Bible build surrounding prayer. Like if you look at Daniel, like the rhythm of prayer that Daniel had in the old Testament was literally the thing that got him thrown into the lion's den. And when you look at the faithfulness of, of Daniel's prayers, took like he prayed three times a day for like 40 some years. I don't know. Like it's like an extended period of time. And I look back at my life and I'm like, man, do I desire to hear the spirit's voice and to commune with God the way that Daniel did. And Daniel's prayer resulted in Daniel being able to stand up for his beliefs in extremely difficult situations. Yeah. In, you know, in he's about to surely die in the lion's den, yet he was able to stand confident knowing that God was good. And yeah. so, man, I just think through those things and it's convicting, but that's good <laughs> because it makes me want to know Jesus more. The conviction doesn't yeah. turn into, man, well, you can't do it. And Satan's going to want to trick you into, well, you can't spend five minutes a day listening to the spirit. Why even try? It's not worth yeah. it. It's not worth it. Yeah. But yeah. the conviction that Jesus gives you is like, man, hey, I want to commune with you. I want to spend time yeah. with you. I love you. And so out of that, we desire to spend time with him because we love him. Yeah. I, th- I think a better like holistic way of phrasing conviction versus condemnation is that conviction will call you into holiness It'll call you into communion with God. It'll call you to like have your life reflect the life of Jesus, whether it's sharing the gospel, planning a church. Like conviction isn't just like, oh, something messed up. So like conviction will call you into holy like to holiness. Condemnation will will call you to retreat. Yeah. It'll call you to hide. It'll call you to believe lies that are not spoken of you in scripture. Um and it's being able to identify um the difference between the two. But it's hard. It's it, it's not easy. Um, especially when you're tired and like your mind, like it's, it's every, everyone can do this. If everything yeah. else around them is a hundred percent fine and great, this stuff is easy. But like when life is hard, when you're tired, like when you haven't spent time in the word in a week and a half, cause life gets crazy. Like that's when these things get really, really difficult when our surrounding circumstances feel like they're falling apart. Yeah. And I really do feel like we could like I feel like we're hitting on so many like really good topics with the Holy Spirit and prayer and conviction. And I think this just shows how holistic the spirit works and how holistic the spirit is in the Christian's life. Like the yeah. Christian cannot accomplish the Christian mission without the aid of the Holy Spirit. And so we must be a, like tuned into what the spirit has for us because we are utterly powerless apart from the spirit it's the thing that sustains us it dwells within us it's the power that rose christ from the dead and so we should be able to walk in confidence because of that but so often we don't and i i guess i mean reagan why why don't we like why is it so easy for us to be like the israelites say man i just want to go back like i don't really care what's happening now i just want to go back like why is it so easy for us to to lose sight of what the spirit has for us in exchange for whatever Satan wants to get us into. 
Well, I think following the spirit requires a submission to allow him to lead you. And I think submission to the authority of the Holy spirit is one of our bigger issues Yeah, in the church. Um, they're like, sin starts from a standpoint of like, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do this. And I think we can even do that in Christianity as well. Where it's like, well, this is my form of Christianity. This is, this is Christianity. According to me, this is Christianity according through my lens. And so the Holy spirit becomes our tool instead of our guide. Um, that's good. And, and he is meant to like, he's meant to shape my prayers. He's meant to shape my desires. He's meant to shape, like he's meant to lead me. He's not a tool that I can whip out in certain circumstances. And so like, man, it just starts with submission. Yeah. Um, like, Lord, what do you want? That is very oftentimes, that's oftentimes a prayer that I don't pray. Cause like, I'll, I'll come in and I'll like ask God to bless all my plans and like, Hey, here, here's the 19 things that I've thought of. Here's the three people that I want to share the gospel with because I happen to live next door to them. Very rarely do I sit down and be like, Lord, what do you want? Who, who have you put in my life? What are you calling me to do? What do you want me to say in the situation? And then when we do that, like, see what he says. Um, Sometimes it may align with the, with the plans that the Holy Spirit has put in your heart. Sometimes it may be something completely different. Um, and that's where discernment and allowing him to lead you come into play. I feel like there's this, there's this thing that's ingrained into every human since the fall. And it's just the desire to want to be independent in some way, shape, or form. You'll hear scholars yeah. talk about how the culture of today has ruined humanity and made us far more independent and all of this stuff. But like, if they read the Bible, they would know that just like humanity across all time has desired independence <laughs> from God. And so yeah. like, let's stop blaming the culture. First of all, let's blame ourselves. I know it's like kind of hard to do that, but when we look at this sinful nature that we have, it desires our sinful nature desires what God does not desire. And so we've built up this, this idea that we can accomplish this thing on our own. And that's how we operate. Like we yeah. do that in Christian ministry. We do that in life. We do that. We do that across everything. And, and so instead of being like, Hey spirit, I surrender myself to you. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to do my thing. And like the spirit's just going to like follow along and help me out when I need mm -hmm. it. And mm -hmm. so the concept of surrender, I feel like is so key to understanding the role of the spirit's life and allowing the spirit to really empower the believer. But surrender is so contrary to yeah. human nature because we desire at a sinful level to be our own thing and to not surrender. Yeah. That's why these well, words like surrender and submission are so taboo today. Cause people, yeah. don't, people don't want to do that. Well, you even take like the word helper. It's like the spirit, like we, there's a helper that's coming for you. I think even like we take that word helper, we think, okay, great. I have a co-pilot. Yeah. It's like, you don't have a co-pilot. You have an engine. You have someone that is driving and powering that car. Like that's not someone that's just like along for the ride. That is someone mm -hmm. that is determining the destination. Um, and I think that's that's the major difference. And I think how we view the spirit in most Western evangelical churches versus like what we see in the Book of Acts. Yeah. Um, 
because we, we see people go to places that they don't want to go, share the gospel with people that they don't want to share the gospel with. Like we see amazing things happen. And then we wonder why, if we get real, we wonder why amazing things don't happen. <laughs> we wonder why we don't see 3000 people come to faith is because we are driving the car with two hands on the, on the steering wheel with the Holy spirit tied up in the trunk. Yeah. You, we can't do it in our own power. So yeah. if you actually want to see these things that happen in the book of Acts, it is like he is determining that you are the one that's the co-pilot. Yeah. And and the Holy Spirit is the one that's driving. And when he is driving, that's when you begin to see like really amazing things happen. And when we talk about surrender, we're not talking about like three-fourths surrender. Because I think like no. a lot of Christians will be like, okay, well, like, yeah, I've surrendered to Jesus and like what's really happened is like sure the Holy Spirit may be driving the car but yeah. they're like the driver's ed instructor with the emergency <laughs> brake <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. and they can stop the car yeah. whenever they want the Spirit starts to take a turn that we don't like oh hold on let me let me pump the brakes yeah. here and it's like that's not surrender yeah that is that is that is just as bad as yeah. as depending completely on yourself complete surrender is saying, Spirit, you guide. I'll sit in the yeah. back seat. If we got one of those like 14 passenger fans, I'm going all the way back to where yeah. you can't even hear me be a backseat driver because yeah. surrender is trusting the Spirit and going where the Spirit wants to take you. Well, okay, let's let us let us go here for a second because I think like even that right there, that like I think even if you see in the book of Acts, like the Spirit is driving, the Spirit is determining the destination, but we are not passive agents in it. So we are not just like, little puppeteers that the spirit is puppeting us yeah. and we have no direction. Like the spirit convicts, the spirit says point, and then it says walk. Yeah. And so our job is to be sensitive to the spirit that when the spirit says, Hey, go share the gospel. Our job in that is to now put one foot in front of the other and go and open up our mouths. And when yeah. we open up our mouths, the spirit put words in our mouth that would minister to that person. So we're not even necessarily passive agents. Our job is to be obedient there is a difference between obedience and passivity when it comes yeah. to the role of the Holy Spirit. That I think that's I think that's really key because I also think this is where Satan can get really tricky. It's like, okay, yeah, sure, surrender everything and do nothing. You know, he want Satan wants to decommission you. He wants to get you out of the game. Bro. You know, like like he wants to convince you that you are as surrendered as possible to the Spirit. And that you're yeah. so in tune to the spirit that you're just not doing anything when in yeah. fact, actually we are called commanded even to walk in obedience and to do what we're told to do and to go where we're told to go. Yep. And that's key. Yep. Yep. Now therefore go. <laughs> yeah. Like as, go, no, going as and go. walking. Uh, uh, uh. Get your message <laughs> translation out of here. <laughs> that NLT. <laughs> That new living translate. If yeah. your Bible translation has the word "living" in it, you stop. Well, my one of my new dreams is to create a Bible translation for Gen Z. Um, I would read that daily. And so, daily. Like the, the the Great Commission would be like it's giving obedience. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I have so many thoughts. <laughs> like no cap the spirit. Like, no yeah. cap there's no condemnation. <laughs> I oh I would have so much so much joy. We need to work on that. We need to so, work on that. So so much joy. 
we we would be excommunicated um not just in general start our own gen z church that'll be the new denomination um yeah we'll take over (laughs) well yeah i mean i feel like this episode was like just kind of our general thoughts on the holy spirit and prayer and its role in our life and conviction i think all of these i think it actually worked out really well that we went this route because they all play a role in the way a christian should live you can't have conviction without the holy spirit you can't really be in tune with the holy spirit without pursuing jesus through prayer bible reading and devotion so all of these things really create a holistic view of the spirit's role and i think if i had to sum it up it's christians being diligent with the basics and it sounds really simple but it's like I had a conversation with a student today and he's like trying to chase after all of these lofty things, but has mm. forgotten the basics. And it's like, I do the same thing. Yeah. And so the moment when I forget to spend time with Jesus in prayer and devotion and worship and pursue Jesus with these, what we would consider kind of like the foundation of Christian walk we often forget those things and move on to the, I want to read Revelation for the 50th time to be able to understand the premillennial theology of how Christ's second return is going to be. And we we dive into all of this, but we forget to spend time with Jesus. And we can't be tuned into the Spirit's voice if we're not spending time with him. And so like Christians, it's time to get back to the basics. Yeah. That would be the, that's how I would sum it up. Um, Uh, You just, you... Summed it up perfectly. And Charlie Puth needs to figure it out. <laughs> Charlie Puth needs to go back to the basics. Christians, get back like, to the basics. Charlie Puth, also get back to the basics. Whatever song he wrote for Fast 7, <laughs> when the Fast and Furious movies should have ended, like six movies ago. <laughs> like 10 years ago. Now. I'll, I'll see you again. I'll see you again. I need the I'll see you again, Charlie Puth. I, I, I don't ever want to see Light Switch ever again. I think that was my grad... I think that was the song that I graduated to. Like, you know how each class has their own song? When I See You Ew. Again was my graduation song. Yeah. You have a class song? Yeah, we had a class song. And When I See You Again was it. You want to know how many of my high school friends I've seen since graduation? <laughs> Zero. None. When I see <laughs> you again. <laughs> <laughs> you know that goat that screams in the Taylor Swift song? Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. that's what you just need to plug in right there. Um, well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. I know today was kind of, it may have felt all over the place, but I do think that they all play prayer, Holy Spirit, conviction. These all play like really massive parts and they're all connected in the Christian's life. And so if you enjoyed today's episode, let us know. You can send us an email, sanctifiedish at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast. If you have any questions or critiques or just like things that you want to help us understand better, please let us know. We are here to learn and to grow alongside of you guys. Um, and so we want to hear from you. You can also check us out on the TikTok, not on Vine, the TikTok, the TikTok, but we are on the TikTok. Um, sanctified ish, sanctified dash ish on TikTok. You can also check out our personal pages at Reagan Jones 97. Make sure to scroll down a couple so you get past the sorority girls and at Rots of 157 for myself. Um, if you find Reagan's page, hit him up in the comments. Put some purple crosses down there. Please I'm sure don't. he'll love Please it. Don't. Um, Please don't. 
But yeah, we post on those pages quite often, so you should check us out over there too. Also, before we log off, Reagan, did you know this is episode 20? Is it really? We've been doing 20 weeks of podcasting, which is like half a year almost. Wait, it's a little less than half a year. Wow. But that's a lot. So the bit, the big two O, the big two O. Welcome next to the next big week. Leagues. Our podcast can drink. Look at that. <laughs> well, yeah, but we're Southern Baptists, so we actually need to wait until we're married to be able to. Drink no, alcohol. no, we 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 can drink alcohol. We just can't dance. <laughs> Unless, okay, so <laughs> I was packing for a mission trip that I'm going on here soon, and on the packing list it says dress shoes and then in parentheses it says comfortable for dancing <laughs> on the packing list so hey someone getting slain this in is not a southern trip. baptist mission trip if, yes. if we gotta pack them dress shoes that are suitable for dancing <laughs> anyways thank you guys for tuning in and we will catch you on the next one until next time take care and god bless I literally only own one pair of pants. Do you think I own dress shoes that are suitable for dancing? Absolutely not. There's no way.